Welcome to the Next of the Hub, the TV series hub podcast. Join us to explore the entertainment galaxy in this new feature made with love from fans and for fans. If you like debates, neck talks, and to be well informed about TV and film, this is the podcast for you. From Nerds to Nerds. Welcome to Nerds of the Hub. Our regular host was last seen dancing with her, her dance troupe, we think, around some stones. Until then, you will have me, your host, Heaven, and our Nerd editor, Lucas. Hello. <laughs> and our very special guest for today, Scott Kyle. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. I personally am a huge fan of Outlander and am crazy excited to chat with you about it. Well, I'm a big fan of the show as well, so I've got something <laughs> common already. <laughs> Did you read the books to it as well? Uh, I didn't actually read the books. When I got cast on the show, I had about a week before I went in. Uh, obviously, that week was spent predominantly learning my lines, um, oh, wow. but I did listen to the audio book, and the idea was to try and get the world that I was going into and to my head because I was busy learning the lines and I thought actually learning the lines if I'm listening to the story then it will help me picture the world I'm about to enter so that was it was very very helpful so the audiobooks were wonderful yeah I think I listened to one of them via audio as well too and it was actually kind of nice to uh, listen to it that way rather than reading it if, if you think how busy the, you know, everyone's lives are nowadays uh, well, you know, it's, it's therapeutic to sit down with a book but when you can uh, you can listen to the audiobooks in the car or you can listen to them while you know, you're doing maybe something around the house you know kind of um, so it's, it's very handy yeah I think it changed my dad's world he never was a reader at all until audible came along and now he's you know read a bunch of books which when I was a kid I don't think I ever saw him pick up a single mm. book so it's a game changer so, from an American layman's perspective, it seems like you wouldn't have to practice your accent much, but I'm wondering if there is much of a difference between the time that you were... The the big thing for me going in is that I'm, I'm Scottish, but I'm Glaswegian, um, and Glaswegians have a very unique dialect. Um, it's, it's a localised dialect, um, but it's very, very strong. So my challenge was actually to neutralise my accent going into the show um, because if I'd spoken Glaswegian, no one would have probably understand the, the, the local <laughs> slang that we use. But actually, the difficult thing was going in and trying to use kind of Scots, but um, Scots, you know, kind of with... Uh, it's funny, I, I did an interview the other day um, with uh, it was for an American uh, television show kind of doing a, an interview for quite exciting, but I can't tell you any more than that. But one of the things they wanted to say was can I neutralise that wonderful accent? But uh, so that people can understand what you're saying, and what I said to them was, we have to speak English. So Scot Scottish people throughout life have to speak English, and how we do that is when we're going to the doctors, or we go to school, or we go to college, or university, or a job interview, um, or when you're at your grandmother's, you speak English, which is which is deemed as polite. Where, whereas in any other way you perform a walk in life, you, you just speak Scottish, and no one, you know, the difference between being Scottish and Scottish. Mm. Right away is a late difference. So if I was saying, yeah, I'm Scottish, but I would have to say, you guys, I'm Scottish, which is just it's slightly different. It's just, uh, it was, they call it, we, we call it dotting the I's and crossing the T's. That's what we call it when we're speaking. 
<laughs> we use that phrase here as well. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I married a Welshman, and occasionally I have to tell him to speak in American. <laughs> <laughs> so you feel my pain. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, he does at least. He does, yeah, he does. <laughs> now, I remember hearing that some people on set had to learn Gaelic, and I don't any idea how common it is to learn the language there is that something that was that you had to do in your part um as is not common unfortunately um but amazing folk like agath and gillibride who you know kind of were kind of um guests on the show gillibride sang Ag- agath was the the gaelic kind of um coach essentially teaching everyone how to speak it well one of the scripts that i got um my character did have some gaelic and thankfully they cut it for some reason um so oh. i never had to do it which was wonderful <laughs> because you don't, want, you don't want to make a mess of it, you know, and be immortalised on screen. Uh, the guy that was a terrible Gaelic accent. So uh, yeah, so I, I was fortunate enough that it was in the script before I, I got the chance to go and work with Agatha, who would have probably absolutely um, taught me how to do it properly. Um, it, it was I got a, diff, a new draft through that line had been taken out for whatever reason. Hey, still I can understand the fear of becoming a um, a Dick Van Dyke situation. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very much. So that's it. Um, and particularly, it's, it's uh, there's some there's some projects you get to do. Um, I did a pantomime with uh, with Fred Rankin a few years ago, and and the, there's no no kind of um, footage of of him doing what he, he was doing in the show. Um, whereas when you do something like Outlander, if it's, you know that's a worldwide audience are going to see it, and there will be footage that will follow you wherever you go. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But like, um, I wanted to ask um, because you said about um, the accent, you know, the Glaswegian accent and all that. But I wanted to ask um, mm-hmm. that decision, like, um, to neutralize the accent, is that the actor's decision? Is that like directors or producers or a, you know writers' decision um, for a certain character to have a certain? accent how does that work it would depend on where the character's from in scotland but obviously i was playing a highlander so i had to be yeah. kind of you know a highlander accent you know from the highlands so it was taking away all the local dialect which um you know kind of i've picked up from growing up in the city so that was something that you just know when you're playing a highlander that you know it needs to be a highland accent um but yeah. also when you go in there is a there is vocal coaches and dialect coaches who basically make sure that you're doing it properly so um well, what you don't want to be is when the character cameras are running is when the clock's on and when you're costing money so what you could be doing is doing your preparation before it and obviously the dialect coaches and voice coaches come round uh, come into your, your trailer and meet you obviously on the read through as well they get to hear it and they would identify if you needed work done and they would come and visit you and you would do a bit of prep so that at no point are you on set with a camera running not being able to do something because yeah that you know that's 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 something that never you know should never happen in the and and i don't think you'd be on set long if if that did happen yeah yeah, (laughs) like if you get there and you can't ride a horse they're not going to teach you how to ride a horse while the camera's (laughs) rolling they're just going to say right let's get somebody else (laughs) let's get somebody this guy pretended he could ride a horse Uh, let's get him out of here (laughs) only so much learning curve you're allowed to have yes yeah absolutely yeah it's, it's not the place where you want to be, um, you know, falling on your backside uh, when when you get to the, the big American TV shows. You want to fall on your backside when you're doing kind of uh, small scale stuff, local films, student films. That's where you learn your trade. You know, you get away, you get away with uh, with uh, with poor performances sometimes if you're doing a student film. Uh, not so much if uh, if Outlander stars and Sony are, are hiring you. You need to be on the ball. Did you do a lot of student films? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where you learn your craft, that's where you, you kind of 
you learn how hard it can be on set and you know when you're working with zero budget or you know very little budget and uh, and there's no really any resources it's literally a camera and, uh, and and just the actors maybe out someone's back garden you know in a house finding locations so yeah that, that's where most actors uh, make all their mistakes and learn their craft and, and obviously normally you don't really get to learn anything until you review the footage and go whoa what am I doing or that's not working or so you do a lot of student films um, and, you, and you learn a lot and, and then as I say when you walk onto the sets of Outlander you know all the terminology you know what everyone's doing you've got an understanding for what everyone else is doing um, because if you go on set and you don't know what the sound guy's job is or what the light guys are doing or what the camera guys are doing then you can't actually appreciate the, everything that's moving around you um, and if you understand that then you can kind of you know what, what's going on around about you can focus on your job um, I would say that you know you, you, you don't walk onto a building site as a, a joiner and not know that, that you know that you don't go in after the painters the joiner goes in before the painters you know so <laughs> there's, there's, there's an order of how things get done on a building site and it's the same on a on a, on a movie set there's an order of how things will go um, and uh, and if the sound guy hasn't picked you up on the sound then we don't have your voice so, you know if the light guy hasn't letting you right we won't see you and if the camera guy's not got you in focus again we can't see you so there's a lot of other things that you're constantly normally on sets like Outlander I mean the guys they, they'll do their sound check they'll come to you for their sound check they'll come to you and check the lights they'll come to you for the camera focus but at the same time if you think maybe someone hasn't then you would say you know is my focus alright have you got my sound and my mic working okay you know those sort of things no, that's actually kind of cool to hear because it, it absolutely makes sense from an outsider's non-actor perspective, but I wouldn't think that necessarily every actor would have that sort of respect for each individual job there that they might know and care enough to learn about what every individual's job is doing from lights to cameras to... I always say to folk, the funny thing when you're on a set is people ask what it's like and what I kind of try and say to folk is the actor's the last one to join the team. The movie makers have been there for weeks before, you know, wrecking the sites, looking in to see what they need, building the set, um, and they're there all day setting up, and then they bring the actors in for as little amount of time as they possibly can, uh, because we're a walking, talking, moving prop, um, which, which, which needs to to go to the toilet sometimes and needs fed and that can be a, that's, a, that's a pain in the bum so actually you're on set for the least amount of time possible so that they can so they bring you in last when everything's set up and they quickly do what they need and then they get you back to the trailer you know so it's, it's kind of funny it's that um you you're part of the team but you're coming in at the, probably the last phase you know the latter stages of movie making it's been you know someone wrote the script someone's developed the idea they've, they've checked out the locations they've cast everything they've built their team They've got the uh, the locations and everything. They've done all the stage fighting, all the combat, and at the very last minute, they then bring in the actor to film the footage. And then the next stage is in, it goes into the editing suite, and the, the directors and producers sit wait for more and more months editing it all. So the actor is actually quite a small part of the whole thing. Um, and then and then the publicity for it happens, and the actors come back out, and that's when you know we kind of contribute hopefully a lot to it as well um, by trying to raise awareness of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. It, it almost sounds like you're taking the most humble of backseat positions in the entire situation. And I kind of enjoy how you're uh, talking up the rest of the show because it truly does take everybody that's involved. And 
I don't know. I kind of just like how you you came about that from a very humble perspective. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it shows um, your knowledge of the craft and and how that thing works, like the mechanisms and stuff. Who you know who does what, and I think it all comes as well to um, helping the other person you know achieve their best when you're working. Like understanding what happens and when it happens and how it happens, it helps like the other the other people you know do their jobs um, in a more. Well, well I, I, it's a bit like I, I I do I play football um, and I, and I enjoy soccer and I enjoy doing the coaching and when you're coaching folk doing soccer, what you're trying to say to them is you want to pass the ball to your teammate at the time when it's best for him. Not when it's worst for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm. What, what normally happens is when you watch kids, they've got the ball when they're playing soccer, and they they will then blast the ball to a teammate when they've got three people around them. Yeah, yeah. And that's not necessarily the best time to be giving it to your teammate. Whereas sometimes the best time to give it to your teammate is when you would like to have it for another three or four seconds, but you don't because it's better to give it to your teammate early so that he's got thinking time and he can have a look around and you're giving him more time and a bit like on set it's a bit like that as well you, you need to know the the kind of running order is probably the words of everyone's job and, and you want to give them as much time doing their job because they'll make your job easier in the long term so if that makes sense that's what I would say it's, it's, it's very very much and it sounds you know ironic or kind of cheesy but it's, it's very much a, a, a team game and if you if you can support everybody else on the team then they will allow you to have a great scene um, because there's nothing worse on a set if the, the director says everybody happy and someone say the sound guy says actually didn't get the sound on that we're going to need to fix the mic and you know you might have just done a really emotional scene and you felt that you you nailed it you got it down, down right but now you're going to have to go and do it again because your sound wasn't right does that make sense but if, if you if you if you Absolutely. build a relationship with a sound guy then the sound the light the camera everything's ready everyone and, and it means you hopefully you only need to do it a few times because as an actor on stage doing the emotional scenes or the dark scenes or, or any scenes to be honest it's, it's tiring and and you don't want to be doing 10 or 20 takes you, you want to try and get it in three or four that's true. Outlander definitely has plenty of those types of scenes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's. I mean, if you're, you're looking at some of those scenes, you know, that, um, that Sam and Cat would do. I mean, I'll give you. A, there's a scene that wasn't used in the show that I did. Um, um, I've always hoped to use it as a flashback, but I, I don't. I don't know. But um, basically, long story short, is I waited in my trailer for 13 hours before doing a very, very emotional scene. When I arrived on set, uh, I had to kill a red coat. Essentially, it was a revenge um, for for him killing one of my friends, and I killed him. And um, and they went and cut, and uh, and everyone happy, and that's a wrap. And they wrapped the whole set, and so really, I only got one take to do that so so what when I'm looking at I'm thinking they might not have used it because maybe they didn't get the sound or the light or the blood capsules didn't explode on the right places you know there's loads of different things there um otherwise I'm thinking wow we got that in one take that's great <laughs> you know on the day I'm thinking wow we've done that in one take that was great um but obviously that was at the end of a day and, and uh, we're running out of time uh, and that's sometimes like when I arrived I arrived on set that morning it's probably 5 in the morning 5am and that scene was filmed at maybe 7pm so all day I had been in a trailer kind of trying to get myself prepped and ready for doing a very emotional scene when I killed someone and I'm thinking right I'll be in at 10 o'clock and then they chat at the door and say oh you know I needed it at 10 we'll maybe do you at 1 o'clock okay chat at the door at 1 o'clock we're not going to use you at 1 o'clock or something's running on we're going to do you at 4 o'clock and all the way up until you were the last shot of the day and the whole time in the trailer you're trying to hold the emotional state that you're in 
<laughs> so, right. 13 hours <laughs> I was sitting in a trailer ready to go <laughs> so um, because you're worried if, if, if you let it go and you start playing the computer games and relax that you might not get it when you're out on the set yeah. wow no, it's really very clear how that can be so tiring even for a short emotional scene it could mm-hmm. take you it could be all day for you mm-hmm. even if it's only you know 16 seconds on screen yeah absolutely I really hope we get those extra cut scenes. Maybe mm. we'll get a box set one of these days or something like yeah. that where we can see things like that. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes if you contact the production company, they, they might release them to you individually. If they know they won't use it, they definitely won't use them. They would give you them and you could use them on your kind of, on your show reel to, to showcase yourself to other jobs. Oh, um, that's nice. But, but, um, but it's, ne- it's never been released to me, so I'm hoping that maybe they will use that scene at some point. Maybe in a flashback or something. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like you were saying, just a quick question here. Um, you were saying that um, people get you know into the trailer and say, "Oh, we don't need you now. Um, we're going to record um, by this time now." Does that affect your preparation? Like, do you get more nervous or um, you know a bit angry or anything because it's, it's taking so long to 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 go? Once once you're on set, uh, most people are on set. I don't remember. You know, you've got young young Roman that came on. He's he's only thirteen. Probably his first movie. So I would imagine. That I don't know that for sure, but. Uh, if you're if you're working in the industry, you understand that. Um, I suppose a bit like working in the military, you, you don't know what's going on at other areas, so you've just got to trust that you'll be used when you're needed, and you can't you can't get upset, you can't get annoyed because you don't know what's going on out there. You're not privy to that information, and you just got to trust that the team know what they're doing, and they will get to you as when you will be a, your resource will be used when they get to you. It's not about you. It's when the guys are out making the film on the fields, for example, doing a battle scene. You you can't sit there and think that your your five scenes or your things are any more important than what's going on on the field at the moment in the morning. Yeah. Does that make sense? You can you got you got to trust and know yeah. that the, 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 uh, there's a bigger picture going on that you're not privy to, and that you I just trust that while you wait in your trailer, you trust that this is where you need to be just now. So I feel like what you're saying is analogous to life in general and I could probably take a page out of your book Mm. Uh, (laughs) I mean sometimes you just have to sit back and realize it's not all about you or what you're doing because Mm. almost everything in life involves somebody else or something else that somebody is taking part in yeah, I, absolutely, and then that, that's something you've got to understand that um, on set, some days you're a spear carrier, um, and other days someone's carrying the spears for you. You know, there's it's different. You don't go on to set with any lesser preparation for a, a scene where you've got one line, um, or you do for when when you've got the monologue and you're standing addressing the army. Whatever it is, you, you have the same level of focus and readiness and, and passion because you know that today with your one line, you've got to set that one line up for the other guy who's got a whole monologue that he's had to learn. Um, I love hearing the, that. You know, the worst thing it would be is if, if if that guy's there and he's working on his monologue and he's dressed the whole army and you forget your one line and they say, "I'm cut and we're going to need to." Re- do the whole thing you know that's not fair on the on the team so you you've got to take take the the same focus and attitude to your one line as you would if you're being the star for the day you know um, clearly you have a lot of respect for your uh for your co-workers be it on set or off um on camera or off do you end up making friends with people on set um, yes and no. Um, what I would say when you go on to set, um, I was coming in season two, um, so the guys had been working on the show for a year and a half before I arrived. 
So what I always said to people was they didn't need my help to make a smash hit show because they already had done that before I arrived. <laughs> um, and what you've got to remember is that for people like um, Stephen Walters, Sam and Kat, and uh, Graham McTavish who've been on the show a year and a half, they've probably seen the hundreds of guest stars coming in. And I always think it when uh, when I go into a job interview, I make sure that I never I never say how the weather is outside because I think probably 20 people that have been in before me have probably said, oh, it's raining outside and if you come in and do the exact same thing people are going wow it's really strange that no one's got anything else to say than the same weather thing so when you go into set the last thing you want to do is sit down with Sam Pat or Graham and say you know kind of what else have you done you know have you done other projects because <laughs> probably everybody's asking so I, I, I kept uh, I, I kind of I do a lot of meditation and, and silence and preparation that way and I, I kind of was I went on with the attitude of speak when spoken to you know kind of and that, that was a just a decision I love a good chat more than anybody probably but I just know that you've got to remember that the guys that are on there have maybe got 10 pages of dialogue a day and you know when someone's sitting in the green room sleeping or reading or just being quiet they're probably working <laughs> even though you don't it doesn't look like it they're probably working you know so they might just be having a wee eye shut to charge the batteries for the next scene or they may be running through something in their mind uh, they may just want a wee bit of quiet time where no one's talking to them and, and if, if you're going to be sitting next to someone you know excited you know um, and, and chatting all day then they, they'll probably say okay, can you put that guy in another room <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah you, you just go on and, you just, and obviously through time like I, I bonded really closely with Stephen Walters um, he's a big soccer fan I'm a soccer fan so we had a good good chat there and, and Stephen came down and I gave him a tour of Glasgow my city and stuff and uh, showed him around and obviously you meet people in the in the bar you know in the pub we have, have a drink together and maybe go for meals so Stephen was having a leaving party when I, I was joining and Stephen was only there I think maybe two or three episodes I got to work with Stephen before he was leaving so I went to his leaving party and that was really nice of him to include me in that um, but yeah you, you go on you're not it's a, it's a hard thing to say you're not there to make friends uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, uh, this, uh, sometimes you, you learn the lesson in a, in a harsh way, but it's show business, not show friends. Mm. Um, and and you, when you're going in, you're you're working from the minute you arrive on set, um, whether it be uh, getting in the trailer when someone's bringing you, you know, something to eat, doing your hair, all the makeup and stuff like that. You're constantly working, and and everybody else, everyone that you meet is working, and that is is remembering that that um, you can't sit in the makeup chair and talk for too long because someone's trying to do their job because they've got someone else to do makeup for. So, so you're you actually kind of, as I say, you're a walking, talking, moving prop and you're kind of going through the system sometimes um, until you get onto the set. Um, um, there's opportunity, you know, to meet and be good friends and have a good laugh as well, but it's picking those moments because it's, 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 it's work. I feel like you're teaching me some life lessons right now. <laughs> well, it's just it's you have a you clearly have a whole lot of respect for the people that you work with and the craft that each person does on their own and the fact that teamwork is just simply necessary to the, the smallest part of the job is actually when the yell action and you perform. There's so much went on to get to that moment. Um Every individual actor started with a, a page with some words on it and they've had to grow and develop a character and put emotions into something and really build a world uh, and build the person that's going to be in that world and do their research. And then every single person around that is trying to facilitate that moment um, You know, in the lead up to it. Everyone's trying to facilitate because everyone wants, when they shout action, everybody wants to go, everybody's job's done and let's film it now. 
You know, mm. so everyone's working towards that moment when they say action and they say cut. Those are the moments we're trying to capture. That that means that you, the difference between having a smash hit show and not having a smash hit show is actually all the preparation up until then. A bit like a sporting event, you know, I, I always say that um, when you see an Olympic champion uh, standing on the podium, um, but if you want to go and see an Olympic champion, you'll find them at the running track every morning, bent over, breathing heavily, because that's how you become an Olympic champion. It's not about the moment on the podium. Absolutely. The, the same kind of idea of on set is that when, when you're on set and you see some magic happening, it's a result of hours and hours and hours of beating on the craft from a lot of different people. <laughs> That's right. I, I feel like it would be tough to add up everybody's hours that went into yeah, yeah. a project, any project, little or small. Mm. I was just going to say, it's for everyone on set, it's, it's a labour of love. Um, and there's, and with the greatest respect, that uh, if, if you're not at the top of your game, you won't be there long, you know, because we're all replaceable. Um, it's very, very much. I always remember um, the story on. I think it was um, well, Rob Smith was on the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and the actress who played Aunt Viv was replaced for whatever reason. And and what they did was um, basically they, they acknowledged that by one of the characters said to her, "You know, Aunt Viv, since you got your hair done or something, or something different about you." And that was the only acknowledgement that they'd actually swapped the actress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so so if you imagine you're maybe on one of those big shows and you're thinking. Yeah, man, I've made it. I'm doing great, and literally they swap you out, and the oh, the only reference they make is, yeah, you've, you've got something something a bit different about you, and they carry on with the story. They did you know what I mean? almost so, the exact same joke in Sense Eight when they switched one of the characters from season one to season two. His best friend goes, "There's something different about you." He's like, "Oh yeah, new barber." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just move uh, right along. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that you've got to know that. Um, I, I always remember a story um, that I, I seen on the stage. It was a theatre show over here, and it was called Follow Follow, and it was about a football team, a soccer team in Glasgow. And uh, two of the boys were in the changing room, um, and they were having a laugh and a joke. They'd met one of the former players, and uh, and they were having a, a joke at his expense because he was no longer playing the, for the soccer team. And uh, and at that moment, the the manager then stood up from behind a kind of. A bench and and the two boys said oh we never seen you there and they say what were you doing behind the bench and he said I was cleaning the floor and they said but you're the manager why were you cleaning the floor and I said because it needed done you know what I mean and, and he said yep. to them always remember that the club the football club the soccer club is greater than any man and that that would be the kind of way that you would look at it on any show is that the show is the big thing you know um, it's, it's, it's not your part however big or small as you're just you're part of part of it for hopefully you know long, hopefully as long as you can get. But normally you come into things for a short time and you move on. You know, I, I remember chatting to Stephen Walters and he said acting is is a succession of jobs. It's not really a career. It's a succession of jobs. <laughs> you're going from do you know what I mean a bit like a yeah. like a, a joiner. You know, kind of he goes to a succession of different jobs. You know, kind of he's he's going from house to house to different places all the time, moving on. It's a succession of different jobs. You know? So that was a nice analogy. Like not like you're walking into an, the same office every day for mm-hmm, 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. A different office uh, every project. And one project stops, and then you, you will always have normally a little time where you've not got a project, or you know even for the next one to begin. So it's a, a succession of different jobs, and you're always preparing very differently for each job. You know, It's not like you go, oh, well, I found a technique that I prepare for a job. Because the job you went is totally different to the one you did last, and the budget might be different, the size of the show will be different, and the resources at your disposal will be different. 
I always say about Outlander, the nicest thing about it was I never heard anyone moaning about anything. And that's because one is they had the best team available and they also had the budget to deliver what they wanted to deliver. And that's really important because sometimes you're on a project and you know um, you're running out of time all the, every day or running out of time, uh, and mm-hmm. no one's got the no one's got the resources they need to do the job as well as they would like to. So you know, kind of that, that can happen as well. And that was the thing about Outlander; it was a dream to work on because the makeup team had all the resources they wanted, um, and, the, <laughs> and the set guys had the right set, and the light guys had the right lights, and the camera guys had the right camera, um, and they had just the, the best team you could have ever picked up because they only hire the best. And, and that's a testament to everyone that's been involved in it is that if you are if you are lucky enough to be involved um, in, in any way shape or form you know um, from from uh, from the, the drivers that pick you up to the big stars on it you're the best in your in your field because you're on Outlander <laughs> you wouldn't be there. you wouldn't be there they, they, you know they, they, they'll, they'll pick the best drivers they'll pick the best catering they'll pick the best makeup teams they'll pick the best everyone because uh, because they want to produce the best show. Well, it shows. I mean, it very, it very much I agree. shows. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it's, it's a great show. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I personally read the books before the show came out, so I was excited even as Diana Gabaldon was posting, you know, this person's going to play this and this person's going to play this. I remember my excitement building every time she would mm-hmm. post. Um Mother I, Outlander, Mother Outlander. Yes, she gave birth is that to what you all. call her? That's what I call her, Mother Outlander. She gave birth to everything. To, oh to, my gosh, I whole, love that. You know, that's uh, Mother Outlander. She gave birth to the whole world that we're all privy to. And I was speaking to Andrew Gower yeah, or at the weekend. We were in Birmingham and we're going to uh, New Jersey this weekend. And he said, he said, I said, I can't believe that I, I did a job two years ago and 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 I'm still you know getting recognition for it. Um, and and being asked to events to chat about it. And he said it's testament to obviously. Diana's work um, and, and I said that's why she's Mother Outlander because she's given birth to, <laughs> to so much it's, and, and not every show based off of a book works so closely with the writer of that story mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I really have a lot of respect for Outlander for making that, ha- I don't know much about the background but whatever they're doing it's working mm-hmm. <laughs> I tend to lean towards I love time travel I love alternate universe kind of stuff which I feel like time travel a little bit is mm-hmm. um, if you got to time travel yourself and go through some stones it, where would you want to go I'd want to arrive in the back garden with Jess the neighbour's cat and my lovely wife I'd be quite happy where I am <laughs> oh. arriving at any day off if I arrived at a day off I'd be very happy Y'all can't see this, but there's little hearts just bursting off of my screen right now. That's that's adorable. (laughs) Actually, my husband and I joke a little bit about that, especially as a lady. I don't think I would ever want to be in a time before right now. I feel like we're in a time. I just think that we're very lucky. I mean, I've been very fortunate to be on the show. I've went into the most realistic 1700s world that anyone will probably ever see, which is the sets and and, and the the movie making that they use on Outlander. And and, uh, I don't envy them. The snacks ain't that good it's pretty cold uh, <laughs> um, I, I much prefer uh, where we are just now. I used I used to chat to my grand uh, my grand passed away it's either last year she was 93 so she had a great innings as we oh. say in the UK but um, I used to chat to her in front of my niece and nephew who are 16 and 17 and I would say to my grand uh, we're millionaires aren't we grand 
and my gran would say, yeah, yeah, we're millionaires, Scott. And my niece and nephew would kind of touch and make faces and say, we're not millionaires because I want the new iPhone and I want new trainers for school and I want this and I want this. And what I would then say to them is, gran, if I met you when you were 30 years old and I told you that I had a mobile phone that could phone anyone in the world at any time, and if I had a magic card that was in my pocket that would give me free money to buy things, money that I don't even have. I says, if I told you that I had a car in my own house in my 30s, you would have thought I was a millionaire, wouldn't you, Gran? You know, bear in mind, she grew up through the war and rations, and she said, yeah, or I'd have thought you from another planet. And then <laughs> then I think my niece and nephew start to understand that we, we do live in a great time. We're very, very privileged. Um, and that's something we, we, we've got, thanks to folk like Sima Gran and previous generations that have sacrificed and, and so much uh, and, and, and allowed us to be living in the, you know, the fantastic time that we do. Ah, yeah, um, you got my little my little heart beating. You're so darn sweet. I love that little story. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I have made people wait long enough. We got our Outlander goodness out. Let's go ahead and let people hear this breaking news you have for us. Uh, my breaking news um, is I've I've been cast in a new theatre show, uh, which is played in London. This will be the first time I've ever taken uh, to the stage in London, so I'm very, very excited about it. Um, I'm going to be working alongside uh, Jamie Phelps. Uh, Jamie was best known maybe to listeners in Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, and there's a cast of fantastic Jamie's leading the cast, I'm involved in it there's a host of wonderfully talented actors and actresses within the show um, the show's called The the Greater Game and it's funny that I was chatting to uh, you there about my grandmother and the world that she grew up in because the, sh- the show is actually set um, around World War the First World War um, and it's about the latent Orient football team who all volunteered to go to the First World War and it's a story of what they were doing, obviously, as football players and soccer players at the time. And obviously, it's the journey when they go to uh, to war. Um, and it's very emotional, very heartbreaking. Uh, and I'm playing a real-life person, you know. So I'm playing George Young, and I'm very um, much looking forward to it. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, the, that's pretty big news. I'll be in London from the 15th of October until the 24th of uh, November. Uh, and yeah, this is my first time trailing the boards uh, in the West End of London, so it's very, very exciting. That is really exciting. Do you have a preference for being on screen or being on the theatre stage? Um, it depends. In, in my 20s, I really, really enjoyed um, being on the theatre stage. Um, I, I toured the, the country you know, extensively. Um, and then throughout my 20s, I got, I got some you know, breaks doing films and stuff. But uh, more so latterly, I've, I've done movies and television. And what I say to folk is I really like the movies and television because the, the work that you've done is essentially immortalised, so your kids and your grandkids will get to see it. So the theatre work you've done, you know, you can tell your kids about it, you can tell your grandkids about it, and someone may, may tell a story about you one day, whereas the movies and the television you've done, they can watch it and see the work that you've done. So I would say that it's, it's, a, it's a bit of both. I love the live moment of theatre, but it does pass in the, in the hour, the two hours that you're 
on the stage that's it gone forever yeah um, and then the nice things for the tv and stuff so it's a balance I, and i'm very fortunate i can I tend to balance i tend to be fortunate enough to I do some plays and uh, and i get to do some television work sometimes and I, and i love things anything where people gather you know, I always think a gathering of people is quite spiritual. Um, so I like the theatre for that reason, but also like um, I think that's why I'm passionate. I love doing the comic cons because there's a gathering of people, and really what we're doing at the comic cons is sharing stories like we are just now. And storytelling to me, you know, kind of um, again is a very spiritual activity where, where we used to gather around and, and we would share stories to take our mind off maybe a harsh winter or a bad time. We'd gather around the fire and the, and the storytellers and magical people in, in the, in the towns and villages would, would make us forget about our troubles for a wee while. They would make us laugh and make us cry and you know, make us be grateful for what we had and, and, and hopeful for the future. And I think um, that, that's the most amazing thing about being involved in, in the world of storytelling is that um, you get to you get to take people away from escapism for a couple of hours, whether it be on a TV show or it be on the stage. Yes. Our podcast, um, besides, you know, um, getting to know a bit about person, you know, the guest experience and acting and producing and writing and, and stuff and being in shows and films and stuff is getting to know a bit more of the person um, behind that. So um, mm. as um, most people should know or know, I mean, um, football is a big thing in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. And yourself said um, already that you are a big football fan. Um, mm-hmm. So do you root for any specific team and how does it feel to um, play, you know, a part in like, a football um, kind of centred as well as World War One play. Well, I am. Um, if I'm being honest, I've been I've been very fortunate that um, I've been cast as uh, as soldiers um, in various projects, and I've also been cast as a, as football as a football fan or as a football player in projects. Um, and I think it's just the age of that. Whereas. <laughs> You know, when you're between 20 and 30, uh, that suits the young soldier or, you know, the young football player or something. Um, as I'm getting later, I'll probably start getting cast as the dad. And that'll, that'll be when I know I'm starting to get older. <laughs> when my casting bracket changes and say, oh, you're too old to play the son now, Scott. You're starting to play the dad, you know. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate. I did a, a show in the UK that toured for five years where I played a Rangers uh, fan, a Glasgow Rangers fan. And I, I grew up supporting Glasgow Rangers. So um, I got to represent uh, the supporters, the club, the good and the bad, because the show was about uh, sectarianism. It's an anti-sectarian play, so uh, we got to show the good and the bad of the football, um, and uh, and hopefully we showed a bit of humanity and, and we changed people's perceptions and and behaviours. So, um, because sectarianism in Scotland uh, can be pretty bad on the days of the big football match, and and that was what the play was all about. And that was a message behind it. So um, I'm, I'm, I would much rather play the football. I've been I've been fortunate enough to play in some charity matches um, and I got to play with one of my heroes I got to play with uh, Ali McCoist uh, he's a Rangers legend um, he was the top goal scorer for many many years uh, until recently when someone broke the record but uh, I, I met him when I was 13 I had a photograph taken with him and then about six months ago I was in a charity football match with him and we recreated the picture that I'd taken when I was 13 yes. so it's the same picture 20 years later it's really really cool <laughs> that's great I love it um, have you posted that on uh, social medias yet? Yeah, I have, and I'll, I can, I have I can to look post for it. it. Yeah, I'll post it, I'll post it again, <laughs> like you see. But I, I, in the picture, I've got a bowl cut, and, and he looks, you know, kind of every bit the, the superstar football player. And then as we got older, you know, both of our hairs, hairs have changed. I've no longer got the bowl cut, and, uh, and he's no longer got as much hair. Um, but <laughs> but, uh, but it's a lovely 
photograph or we've recreated a moment with a football boot. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about the, the project. Uh, I'm also having to put an accent on. I'm going to be playing an English uh, an Englishman. So um, so I'm looking forward to to doing that and the challenge of that. So I've already been on the, on the phone to my friend from uh, Sunderland. That's where the the character's from. So I'm going to I'm been I've been prep, prepping already um, to try and get the accent. Uh, Right for it. So yeah, very very exciting. Um, and it, it's putting two passions together. You know, can I, I well, maybe even three? Because I'm passionate about history and and the the period of World War One. My grand was alive then. Um, so you know, can I, so there's emotional uh, interest there. There's a a passion for the football and history. So um, this project can has got all and a fantastic cast and, and director to go along with it. Triple whammy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and. Um... And heaven will probably um, say I'm, I'm saying the truth because I'm I'm a huge football fan myself, um, you know. And I was really excited to talk to you about this um, because of the play, and also because you know um, she we're doing our research on you. Um, we kind of discovered a bit about your um, Rangers, you know, love. So mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to bother you know our listeners with football talk because this is you know mm-hmm. I don't know how many of them like football. But um, I'm in. Yeah, I don't you know, know if you, I don't know if you get the right audience for football. <laughs> don't worry, we've heard about it in America. Yeah, <laughs> so I wanted to I wanted to mention this because uh, being a, a Glasgow Rangers fan, um, we actually share a link because I'm a Liverpool fan, and um, Steven Gerrard. Sorry, I'm also- sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but um, your current manager, you know, Rangers' current manager yeah. is actually Steven Gerrard, which is you know a huge legend at Liverpool. So I just wanted to mm-hmm. I just wanted to say that because I'm I'm really excited. Yeah, I've I've, <laughs> I've 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 had many a chats on this subject with Stephen Walters from Outlander because he's a regular Liverpool fan. So um, so yeah, we're, we're grateful to have Stevie Gerrard coming up and uh, and and looking after the club um, for for however long we get we get the, the chance to work with him. So it seems to have made some positive changes. So uh, fingers crossed it keeps going. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna just end saying you guys are winning the league. I mean, one year, two years, um, you guys are winning the league for sure. <laughs> You've got more confidence than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I hope, I hope, yeah, I hope you do, mm-hmm. and I hope mm-hmm. Liverpool wins as well because we we kind of assembled, you know, a god team because I mean that's, mm-hmm. that's a hell of a squad. But yeah, not bothering any anymore with uh, football because <laughs> I mean, there really is a fine line between uh, jovial joking between rival fans and. Just straight out violence. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think though that the, the nice thing with uh, with the, the thing that the listeners may be interested in is um, the, the the listeners like the, the men on the Outlander and their kilts because of their, their knees, and obviously all the footballers get their knees out as well. So it's definitely a, a mutual appreciation there. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to be too cliche about the kilts, but I have to agree with you that it there is, gosh. Now I can't remember your exact quote, but it was something about men wearing kilts being an amazing thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and I tell you something as well. It's, it's very nice to wear a kilt. Um, I wore a, I wore a kilt when I got married. Um, I've wore a kilt to movie premieres, um, and uh, it's fantastic because it's just it's, it's it's part of your heritage. It's part of your identity, and, and you know, kind of. Although nowadays loads of different people from different nationalities love to dress up in the kilt, but you know, traditionally it's only Scotsmen. So, you know, when, when you meet up with someone or when you're abroad and you see the kilt, you know that you know they're, they're from the same place as you. You know, kind of it's home. 
and you know it's a nice. I see the kill and I think of home, you know, kind of, and uh, it stirs up a, a nice, a nice warm emotion in me. So it was very nice to go into uh, the big screen, you know, kind of, and, and and represent Scotland and, and our history on on a on a show like Outlander. Um, that's, that's something I'm very very proud of, and knowing that. Not, not, not the fantastic actors out there that won't get a, get the opportunity. So, very, very privileged to have been on the show and, and been part of an amazing story. Now, I think I'm going to miss you just barely, but I was trying really hard to get to the Highlander fling coming up mm-hmm. next month. Is there anything you can tell the guests about that? Anybody who might be wanting to go to Scotland to say hi to you there? Well, the first thing I would say is. If you want to hear more about it, you can go onto my website, which is www.scottkyle.co.uk, um, and you you can watch videos from previous years, and you can see videos. Um, this year is going to be the biggest one I've run. Um, that's both in terms of the people that are coming. There's there's more guests this year than ever before. Um, in terms of the show and the, and the, the event I'm putting together, um, I, I I've been to a lot of uh, of comic cons and various different uh, events, and uh, and, I, and I like a lot of what they do, and I've kind of took the best parts of the Comic Cons and I've put them into one event so, so essentially it's a big party because <laughs> that's, that's the bit I enjoy most when you go to a Comic Con I like when, when you've stopped all the autographs and you've stopped the photographs and you're just having a party so um, essentially my event is just a, a very big uh, party in, in a room with, with music and stuff so this year we have a pipe band that are going to pipe us all in and we have have a dance troupe, a Highlander dance troupe as well. Um, the Sarah Henry dance group are all coming, so they're all going to be there doing an hour-long show. Um, and it's going to be—we've never done that before. It's going to be a big, a big, big event. We've got a Kaylee band that will come on as well. Um, after that, and entertainers, and they'll be getting Kaylee dancing. And then we do a Highlander buffet. So we've got haggis and and tatties, um, as well as some other you know finger foods that, that are, that are traditional in Scotland. Um, last year, uh, well, the last two years, Stephen Waters came along and brought his guitar and uh, and sang some songs. So we invite everyone along. That's this is one of the things that's different from our event. We invite all the cast along, but we don't announce who's coming. And the reason we don't announce who's coming is the guys, if they get a job opportunity, have to take it. And if you announce that they're coming and then they cancel, uh, people get very disappointed. So the best thing to do is to say, we'll not tell you who's going to be there, but there will be people from the show there. So come along um, and and see. I've, I've already um, I spoke to Diana and invited Diana, and uh, she, she's not been able to make any of them yet, but she's she's promised me that she'll get along at some point. So the nice thing will be is that one year people will, uh, will buy a ticket and uh, and there'll be somebody like Diana who pops in, and it's not something I've marketed or, or pushed. It's just some people... I want people to come along because they want to come and support the event. I don't really want it to be that it's just on who's on the guest list, if that makes sense. I like that. I, I like the idea yeah. that if you want to come, you come along and, and you'll find out and, and you get a treat, you know, when you come along, you find out who's there because um, all the guests are fantastic. Everybody you work on the show is amazing. Um, one of the guests we had last year was uh, the, the character on the show of Human <laughs> Row, Simon Meacock. And, uh, and mm. Simon Simon plays, uh, you know, uh, um, you would call it kind of character mute essentially he said his tongue cut out so he doesn't have any lines but the amount of people are so interested to meet him because he had the hardest job in the show he didn't ha- he wasn't allowed to verbally communicate so for me he's one of the top actors you're ever going to meet because 
um, he, he had less less uh, less tools available to tell his story. Um, yeah. and, and he came along and, and everyone did a great time. I was really interested in meeting him as well and getting a valella with him. Um, I'd meet him on the show, but as I said earlier on, he'd, sometimes you don't get the chance to chat to folk on the show. Um, and and the best thing to do is get them in a get them in a, a big environment, get get a beer in their hand, and then get to hear their stories. <laughs> and that's that's what the hell fling is essentially. Yeah, and there's loads of photographs and people get their autographs. But it's just there's not a queuing system. You guys are just in. We just have a party. It's not. Um, there's, there's no signed off zones. It's just a big a big event. We do have a big party. We do Kayleigh dancing and celebrate everything Scottish. And it just so happens that you know most of the guys have been involved in Outlander, but it's more about Scotland and just celebrating everything that is Scotland than specifically Outlander, if that makes sense. That makes so much sense to me. I used to have gatherings a lot when I was younger, and it would always bother me when people would write back and say, oh, thanks for the invite, who's going to be there? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. and that, that happens, yeah, that happens with your friends, doesn't it? They're like, you know, yeah. you say, oh, we're, we're, having a, we're having a barbecue, oh, who's coming? Well, well you and me, um, <laughs> I'll be there because I'm inviting you. So yeah, kinda, that's, that's why I kind of I do it the, the the way I do the event. And uh, in the last year, we, we used, um, I think the money we raised from the event, uh, we used it to bring over uh, students from France or to Scotland. So I had been working with... Uh, with a, a French teacher and our students uh, at a special needs school and I'd been over to do a theatre workshop with them um, which was fantastic and then I returned halfway through the year and I took some of the guys from the show and they did a Culloden workshop with the kids and then I said to the teacher I said I really want to bring the kids to Scotland because obviously they've done the workshop where they, they get to fight with the Jacobites but I'd like to bring them over and let them do essentially the workshop outside a castle, you know, and get them to tour the castles in Scotland. So uh, we were fortunate enough to do that. So I run the event through my theatre company, and I'm in a fortunate position that I get to go and do workshops and support projects throughout the world. So that's kind of uh, what we did last year. So this year we'll obviously be supporting more workshops. That I don't know um, what specific project it is, but obviously we'll be we'll be looking forward to doing that. Do you ever take time off, sir? <laughs> um, <laughs> you have so many cool projects going on yeah. and and ongoing and coming up, and it sounds like you are always busy, but happily so. Yeah, I think that's it's, it's, um, I always, I always, uh, I always think that when, when we're born, if someone said to you when you were born, right, look, um, the, the you're getting this amount of time. If someone says to you, right, you'll get 70 years, you'd be like, well, well, I better get moving then if I've, if I've only got 70 years. And and sometimes because no one knows how, how much time we're going to get, uh, we, we, we take it for granted that we'll be here forever. And I always think that, Actually, you know, the, the clock is ticking and, uh, and and no one's getting out alive, not to be morbid. But the thing being is yeah. you, want to, you want to do as many things as possible. And, and things like what, what I love so much, when people ask me about Outlander, what's your favourite part of being involved in the show? I would say the fact that it's shone a light on the other things that I've always done and the other things that I do. Because, as I said to you, knowing when you go into the show that you're just part of, you're a small part of something that's huge and it's amazing. Um, but the, the fantastic thing about it is that it actually has shone a light on the other movies that I've made and the other different things. I mean, I'm chatting to you guys just now about the theatre show I'm doing in London. That's fantastic. You know, that's an amazing yeah. thing that that, um, that we might be able to support a production company in London through work that I did on Outlander. It's just incredible. 
and um, the, the fact that we supported uh, children in France and we've been to Canada and, and did workshops with kids um, uh, we're, we're going back to Canada next year and I'm working on an Australian event at the moment my, my aunt lives in Australia so she's looking at venues for me for for coming over to Australia and doing a kind of an, an, a Highlander fling essentially in, in Australia and, and just trying to go around the world and as I said yeah I look at gatherings as quite spiritual so for me the Highlander fling is is a is a very spiritual is like in a world we've got, we've got communications and social media. There's no, there's probably never been a time when people feel more lonely. Mm. Um, you know, and, and there's there's nothing nicer. I was at the, an event at the weekend in, in Birmingham, the Star Fury event, and people were coming up to me and, and saying that I love that you followed me back on social media. It made me feel, you know, when I, I was having a downtime, and, and and that light came through, and or that that follow back came through, and I just felt that you know maybe somebody does care. Um, and I think we've all had those moments where you you know you look around and you're feeling you know it's, it's everybody else in the world you know achieving their dreams apart from me, um, and and the nice thing is that you know that the gathering is a, is a we've all got something in common we've, we're all passionate we've enjoyed Outlander whether whether we've been in it or worked on it or just um, bought the DVD and supported it that's what we've got in common so it's you know we, we leave our, our, our labels at the door and we all come in and we just have a big party and there's there's no pecking order there's just there's drink and there's food and there's music and that's all you need to have a good time in my eyes <laughs> you really got me wanting to go yeah, I, I think I think I should have like a, a notebook or something to you know to write down all those life lessons you're giving us. <laughs> it's, well, they're not meant to be. That's just, that's just something that I, I've learned from from my gran. I was, was ninety three and and every day, you know, kind of. She, she she used to say something every day. She she said something her grandmother had taught her. Um, and she said one day she was uh in a bad mood and you know kind of and 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 not behaving herself. And her, her mother said to her, um, always count your blessings, young lady. And and my grandmother said to, she said, and what blessings do I have? And her her mother said to her, you're good health young lady and don't you ever forget it and my gran at 93 said scott i've 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 thought that every day since i was told that and i like to pass that on you know i think now that my gran's passed that baton on to me that you're good health you know that's that's the most important thing you've got in life that's you know that's that's the biggest currency you'll ever you'll ever have you know who, who on their deathbed wouldn't give everything they have for another day do you know what I mean? Right. So, so, so yeah, that's sort of I pick up from my gran, and that's I think that's what the the elders are, are there for, isn't it? That's why I think I have so much respect for the elder generations, is they know they've been here, they're they they've done all the things. There's nothing that you're thinking you'd be doing that they haven't done already. They, you know, like um, there isn't a problem that someone hasn't written a book about. <laughs> Whatever problem you've got, go to the library. Someone wrote a book about it because they had that problem before. And here you are passing the tradition. If if we could all uh, learn from others' life lessons a that's little bit better, that's what storytelling is. That's why. That's yeah. what storytelling. That's why. That's why you want to be a performer and an actor. Um, that's why you get into it. It's to to pass on the messages and the lessons that you've learned through stories. You know, I used to started around a campfire where we would stand there in the and the flicker of light and, and share stories you know cautionary stories be careful of the big bad wolf because big bad wolf could harm you so we start with that um, mm-hmm. and, then, and then we build any little stories where we're teaching the young generation you know the next thing you know kind of be careful of the boy who cried wolf all these different things we we teach uh, children uh, and then as we go older now we get to what things like Outlander where it's just great you know because that's just storytelling on a huge scale that everyone's enjoying and loving and you know we've all met uh, maybe or hopefully not met a black 
like Shaq Randall. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But uh, there's, 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 Diana's wrote these amazing characters, uh, and and that's what storytelling is. It's saying to you be careful. We, we all want a Jamie Fraser to save us, don't we? So. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there are many people who can relate to that statement right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'll off for now tuning back in again. Jamie Fraser. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Let's should we go back to the kilt conversation again? I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was just um, just listening to you guys talk a bit, um, but um, come, going back to the kilt thing. Um, I mean, I probably have no right on everyone because I'm, I'm not Scottish, but um, I for sure uh, want to know like how is it to wear you know to wear a kilt because it seems you know. Nice, and it's it's a it's a nice thing to do. I think. The, the nice thing with the Scots, though, is that we we've got the right to say we own it, but we don't. We don't. We're not precious, you know. Kind of we share. So uh, you know, anybody who wants to wear a kilt, you know, you've got my permission <laughs> to get a kilt on. There's no, you know. Uh, I always say to folk, uh, you can be really proud of where you came from, but you what you've got to remember is there was no Scottish dinosaurs or or American dinosaurs. They just inhabited the planet. So so you know, we came along and we put lines in the sand. So don't don't worry too much about it. You know, if you want to wear a kilt, just wear a kilt. I know? remember like, the first time. The first time I saw um, a kilt. Not not the first time I saw a kilt, but like the first time I saw um, someone wearing one was when I was in London in Trafalgar Square, and then there was this guy mm-hmm. playing the bagpipes, and then I I went you know closer to you know give him a pound or something, and uh, and then he started playing and all. I took a picture with him because he was dressed like super Scottish. Um, Mm-hmm. And so you got to be careful with with, it, with, the, with the bagpipers. If you give them money, they'll play for longer. <laughs> I mean, I was I was on the other side of the square. I, I could hear that, like you know, still being far away from where he mm-hmm. was. I, I mean, the amazing thing about bagpipes, I don't know how, I don't know how, um, how it feels. I, I know why they were designed, the bagpipes. The bagpipes, uh, they're, they're, they're obviously, they're a vehicle of war, you know, they're, they're to let you know that we're coming, you know, that the, uh, and it's a sound of battle, and, and it gives you goose pimples when you hear it and stuff like that, but uh, it's, uh, it's it's certainly not, you know, kind of, it's not sort of... Um, a music to play at your at your grand's birthday or anything, you know. It's, 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 it's not exactly it's, a lullaby. Yeah, it's not a lullaby. It's a, it's a it's an amazing sound, and it does it does stir the blood. You know, it really um, it gets you emotional. Um, yeah. So, uh, but but yeah, and that that's what I'm looking forward to with the Highlander Fling this year. We've got the pipe band, and we've never had a pipe band before. So you're talking, you know, probably twenty men. Uh, playing the the pipes and the drums, and uh, we're going to have the dancers on the stage, and it's just going to really, really uh, get everyone really emotional, and uh, and it'll be a fantastic spectacle. So I hope people can make it along if, if they get a chance. Well, I arrive in London on the thirteenth, and I'm going to do everything I can to convince mm-hmm. the in-laws to go with us. <laughs> I want to go yeah, so bad. Yeah, it's not. I mean, we we drove down to Birmingham at the weekend, and, and you're you're there in you know four hours, four to five hours. So and and you can get a train up as well, which means you can you can have a few wines if you want and get yourself warmed up for coming out of the fling. You yeah. know who you're talking to, I guess. <laughs> and this is the moment I remember. I'm a uni student and I'm broke as hell, so I can't go this time. I hope I hope we're going to I can go another time. Um, but yeah, it sure like sounds a hell of a party. And uh... what, what you need to understand is that my philosophy in life—I say this to my wife all the time—is there's always a way to get in if you want in bad enough, right? And I've always said that. The amount of gigs I went to uh, with no ticket, you know, I've went over to Bruce Springsteen gigs at the, at the concert, and uh, you're outside. And uh, I remember there was a there was a couple we went up to, and they were they were, they were they had their hands in the air. They were selling two tickets, and I went over, and I knew the tickets were maybe like 150. 
£50 or something and I went over and I said how much are you looking for for the tickets and I thought the guy would say you know like 200 each ticket or something and he, sa- he said just give us you know £40 he said they're already paid for and the couple that paid for them can't make it so give us £40 and we'll buy some drinks and you can come to the gig with us and my wife and I got to go and see Bruce Springsteen for £20 each <laughs> so there you are so um, you know, there's always a way to get in if you want them bad enough a bit, a bit like there's always a place to park. You know, I, I'm 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 not a fan of these folk that say there's no place to park. There's always a place to park if you're creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you just don't mind walking a few extra steps, yeah, there's exactly, always a place yeah. to park. There's always a place to park. That's... I love going to live shows too. Do you have any other favorites that you've been to? I've been to see Rod Stewart. Um, a number of occasions I really like Rod Stewart um, my my music taste is very wide uh, it, it never used to be uh, my, that, that's the funny story of it it started out that my music taste was my mum's music taste because I grew up I grew up with a single mum so I grew up listening to all her music so I liked El- Elton John Cher Rod Stewart you know kind of all, all these sort of artists and uh, and I, would, I was working night shift in the supermarket and I would be in the fruit and veg aisle and I'd be filling the shelves and I'd be singing away at the top of my lungs and some of the other guys that worked in the supermarket would come around and say what is this rubbish you're singing and I'd say this is, this is Elton John this is great this is uh, Rod Stewart and, uh, yeah. and they, they would they would then come over and they'd say like look this is the Rolling Stones you should listen to that you know and they'd go, and go wow what is this never heard this before this is great so uh, now I like Bruce Springsteen and I've got a real wide range but I've seen Elton John uh, Karen and I bought my, my mum share tickets we went to see share um We've been to see Train, the band Train. Love, love seeing them, and we love going to live entertainment. So we've been to Vegas, and we, Karen and I went for fourteen days to Vegas, and we just went and seen shows every day. We spent all our money on shows. We didn't, we didn't gamble. We didn't, we weren't drinking alcohol. We just went and seen every night. So Tuesday night we're in Fiverr, and we went to see them. Train we were on Wednesday, Rod Stewart Thursday, Circus Soleil Friday. You know, we just we love going. You to see are. Shows. My kind of people. I live maybe only five hours from Vegas, and the only reason I will go is if I can see a show. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I went. I was so disappointed. When I went, I said, I wonder who's playing Caesar's Palace. And we went, and it was Rod Stewart. And I'm like, I've seen him about ten times in Scotland. I was kind of hoping there'd be one of them. And you're like, I'd have went to see Celine Dion if she was on, or, you know, Britney Spears <laughs> or something. Just, just the fact that Rod was there, I'm like, Rod's like a mate. You know what I mean? Lives down the road. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we see him all the time. I didn't want to go to Vegas to see Rod Stewart. But to be fair, he was a wonderful and had a great time. But... Uh, yeah, I was kind of hoping that you know somebody else would be would be on the residency at that point. Yeah, you, you can't go around with the residency though. No, you can't. You can't. And I'll need to go back. That's that gives you a good excuse to go back. That's what I was thinking. So. Yeah. yeah, there's always a new Cirque du Soleil going to, mm-hmm. so you know mm-hmm. you can switch it up a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to let you go without at least touching on Cunningham Strap. All right, yo, yeah. Uh, this is this is a project I've, I've been involved in. It's, 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 a, it's a really unique project. Um, Fraser Murdoch, who I worked with on Outlander, um, he, he he approached me on set on Outlander. That's what two years ago or something. Stephen uh, he came round. He was giving out some some leaflets for his project, and uh, and uh, I offered to kind of help out on it. So I've done the voice of of Bab Cunningham. Uh, Bab has inherited a scrapyard from his father, who's dying in hospital, and he's not running the scrapyard the way you know he should be. So um, you know he's, he's he's got he's got a shark tank in the in the scrapyard. You know, kind of um, he's got uh, the huge huge plasma TV like a cinema on his 
wall, um, and uh, and and yeah, and pe- people are chatting the door now. Kind of um, like he's not paid his tax bill and stuff, um, and uh, yeah, the, the tax the tax men are, are are on the hunt for for the tax money, and it looks like his uh, his dad's business might be going down the tube because. He's not paid the the VAT man uh, his bill, so uh, so yeah, so it's been great. I've I've got to do the voiceover, and I've never done an animation before, so um so I got to do that for Fraser, and uh, and I know that he's been entering the festivals, and I know that he won a festival actually, he won a fest. He emailed me saying that he, he won a fest, mate. I've been exclusive. I don't know if he's posted to tell anyone, but um he's, he's a short film, it's fifteen minutes long, and uh, I think it was the LA one that he won. He's won he won one of the festivals. I'll need to now post it on social media and let everybody to see it um, but yeah he's, he's going around all the different uh, festivals at the moment so he enters it into the festivals and then he would release it into the cinemas and what he's hoping to do with it is turn it into a kind of animated television series that's his, uh, his ambitions but I mean, my partner as I say I was purely acting in it um, Fraser's the real talent as I, as I explained to you earlier on how a project works um, when they bring in the <laughs> actors we've actually got very little to do with it um, but I just did the voice I lended my voice to the to the part so Fraser wrote it directed it uh, produced it and did all the fantastic animations of bringing the characters to light so Fraser's the star I do the voice <laughs> I got, but I gotta say it's really cool to hear your voice in it I watched the trailer and it, mm-hmm. I absolutely want to see more i i wouldn't have thought um outside the box to have you do a voiceover like that before but i was so pleasantly surprised i hope that one gets picked up to do a little more i really want to yeah, see the short because it's I'd, pretty I'd cool revis- yeah i'd love to revisit the, the character and the world so it'd be good fun yeah um and one thing i like to do when it comes to voiceovers and animations and stuff like that is um to see if i know the actor behind the voice you know so when I yeah when I saw that I was like oh I know him. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with it is you'll see in it it's very Glaswegian the part he wrote was Glaswegian so um uh, it'll be interesting to see how it translates or how far it can reach in terms of people understanding um and understanding it so at the, at the start I was saying to you about Glaswegian's like its own language so I hope everyone understands it. okay. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we need American English subtitles. Yeah, yeah maybe so. Maybe I'll say that to Fraser. <laughs> when it comes to accent, I like them, but sometimes it's a bit hard to understand. So I sometimes like, mm-hmm. I don't understand them that well, but I'm I'm like fascinated um, about languages and stuff. So I like to, to listen and see like how much I can get from mm-hmm. that. So, yeah, it's a, in, in Glasgow, we speak very quickly. That's it. Uh, in Glasgow, if you don't tell your story quickly and it's not good enough, someone else will steal the, the floor and they'll start telling a story. So we speak very quickly for that reason. You don't leave many gaps in between it because if you leave a gap, someone will fill it and steal the steal the, steal the audience. Ah, that's the history behind it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We speak. A, bit like, a bit like when you sit down with a Scotsman eating his dinner. We eat very quickly because if you're not eating it, somebody else will eat it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I grew up with my big brother and if if, if you, you want to be finishing your plate before him, I can assure you, because uh, once he's finished, he's going to start fending off your people, start eating off your plate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are the perils an only child like myself would never know about. Uh, you don't know you're born. <laughs> so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know we've kept you on quite a while now. Um, is there anything else that we missed that you would like people to know? Uh, just that um, we love them all. They're loved 
<laughs> and they're not alone. And uh, no, seriously though, um, if anybody's interested in uh, Cunningham Scrap, the project with Fraser, then they can also go onto my website, which is www.scottkyle.co.uk, or um, or hook up with Fraser or myself online, you know, on the on the Twitter, on the social media channels. We're, we're pretty active there and chat to everybody. So um, if we don't get back to you, messages again because we do get a lot of uh, messages and a lot of traffic. But if you if you're persistent, we we, we do eventually get back to everyone. So, uh, so that, that's probably it. And, and just to say thank you for having me on the on the show, and thanks to everybody for listening. Yeah, and um, just as a as a close up question, it's quite um, uh, you know it's becoming kind of a tradition on the show um, to ask the guests what is the weirdest um, or um, intriguing fun interaction you've ever had that you can remember. Uh, fun interaction. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm very fortunate. I know I've I've, I've heard other other actors saying some weird and wacky in the. You know, stories. I, I am very fortunate. Um, I anyone I've met, I'll, I'll tell you one. It's, it's not kind of weird or wacky. It's uh, I I met um someone at the the Highlander Fling um event, and uh, and they came to my attention because they were there with her daughter. It was a lady, a lady called Margaret McCall, and Margaret was there with her daughter Fiona. Um, unbeknown to me, Fiona was in for cancer treatment, and she was in the, in the middle of that. And during the night, she kind of took ill, and she went home. Um, and I noticed that Margaret was on her own and I said, you know, where's Fiona? And she said, oh, she's had to go home, she's not well. So I uh, I contacted them through social media, the wonders of social media, and I said, uh, because Fiona had to leave early, I feel that she didn't get the value of, of the night, so I would like to come over and, and bring her some merchandise and some T-shirts and hoodies and stuff for her. So uh, I went over and uh, and I met Fiona and, uh, and Margaret and spent the evening with them and had a bit of a chat. And, uh, and now we're two of our closest friends, so we now, we now hang out with them regularly. Um, and uh, so there's something that's beautiful that's came from that. So um, uh, we now we now see them on a regular basis. Um, so that's that's that's, I know, that's maybe weird or wonderful, but that was a, the 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 fate or the god the gods brought us some new friends. So that, that's yeah. how I, I treat anybody that I'm meeting. You know, it's, it's I, I very rarely if anyone's on my social media chain, I, I don't use the word fans because if anything, it's me that's a fan of the folk that are interested in seeing my work. Um, it's just it's just a lot of cool people out there that I get to chat to. You know. Very fortunate that there's some 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 really cool people there that take an interest in what I do. You know, it's a, we're a very privileged position to be where people want to come and see you, you know, your work or anything else. Any artist, you know, you've got a lot of fantastic people in their garden painting stuff that no one will ever see, and uh, and we're fortunate enough that there's an audience that are actually interested in supporting what we do and, and, and allowing us to do more. I, you're just a, a, a top-notch person here. It's really been a privilege to chat with you and hear your stories and um, in a little bit of um, life lessons that we didn't know that we were excited to get. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on our show. We really, really appreciate it. I'm really excited to share the big news. Um, congratulations about the play. Um, the greater game. We're excited to see that. I hope Cunningham Scrap makes it mm-hmm. across the globe as well. And of course, and I, and I hope you make it to the flowing. <laughs> uh, you have got me so pumped right now. I mean, it sounds like you like you have a way of speaking about an event that makes it more than just a party or a dinner mm-hmm. or something like that. It's it's definitely a memory that you'll be creating mm-hmm. for each other that for not just the fans but the friends that you have yet to make mm-hmm. yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> lucas do you have anything else no no just um just wanted to thank scott for um, for being on and uh, such a pleasure to talk to you 
and I'll be watching, you know, next projects and uh, whatever is coming up. Um, I'll be watching, trying to, you know, to follow your career. And uh, okay, well, well, I'll I'll see you. There'll be a whiskey waiting for you in Fife um, at the Highland of Fling, so you need to find a way of getting there by hooking my crook. <laughs> um, <laughs> you might have just sealed the deal there on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bring well, a guitar and, and busk busk for your fear. Get your thumb out on the motorway and hitchhike up. You might meet someone. You know, you might you might meet a special person. You know, yes. I can do a little bit of a fire spinning. I'll bring some. I'll bring oh, some wow. tools to throw around. <laughs> wow. Well, well let, let me know so as I can tell the venue. I don't forget the insurance for fire juggling. <laughs> let me know. <laughs> I don't want to surprise you with that one. Uh, you might, you might, they might tackle you to the ground if you light something. So let me know. <laughs> oh, you can't bask on fire. That's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on the motorway on the way up, but uh, but, uh, but no don't trees know in the venue. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> all right cool well i hope you have a fantastic rest of your day we will look forward to outlander coming back to us in september for the greater game coming to london in october mm-hmm. and hopefully we'll get the chance to speak with you again in the future wonderful so namaste to you both you just listened to the podcast Nerds of the Hub, produced, recorded, and edited by the TV Series Hub team. If you want to read TV and film-related articles, reviews, and more, go to www.tvserieshub.tv. Also, follow us on Twitter and check our Facebook page, both at TV Series Hub. Send us a message. No, proudly.